and welcome to the Scottish Roadscast, a podcast all about Scotland's roads, bridges and motorways. I'm Stuart Baird. And I'm John Hassel. It's good to be back, Stuart. Feels like ages since we've had a podcast. It does. You're right, John. It does feel like quite a while since we sat here in front of these mics. Exactly. But today, you're going to be doing a lot of the talking because it was A96 yes. and we've done some of the, the M7 before fantastic podcast uh-huh. but what are we going to be talking about today well it's the one that a lot of people have been waiting for yes. um, there's been a lot of requests for this particular subject over the years and it is glasgow's overhead sign gantries those wonderful Ooh. beautiful unique structures that you see in glasgow very pretty yes yeah. but you don't see anywhere else <laughs> yeah okay and i think a lot of people are keen to understand why glasgow has sign gantries that are different to everywhere else yeah why they're different Yes. What makes them different? Um, some n- interesting facts about them. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we're going to cover a lot of things uh, from the origins through all the changes and talk about things that are happening now and maybe even what the future holds. Absolutely. Now, I'd just like to preface this podcast. It is a bit of a controversial issue, isn't it, the <gasps> Glasgow Gantry? For some. For some. For some. For the for the average layman out there, they probably think, well, what, what's so wrong about them? What's so special about You're them? You're right. But, uh, but um, most people, I think, like me, are rather <laughs> fond of them. Rather fond of them. Yes. Right. Okay. Cool. But yes, there have been some comments said about how they're different or even erroneous. Yes, yeah, some people hold the view that they are perhaps... <laughs> Uh, not as correct as other gantries seen oh. elsewhere in the country. However, we are going to address that in oh, this these podcast. These people are listening. This is going to be Yes, good. Okay. we will be addressing this and we will be showing, quite simply, why they're wrong. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, we all have different views, but no... Okay, Stuart, so um, start, start off with this. Bring us up to speed. Let's, let's summarise what we mean by a mm-hmm. Glasgow-type sign gantry first before we even talk about how it came to be, because okay. that's important. So if you drive on the urban motorway system in Glasgow, so the M8, the mm-hmm. M77, the M74, the M80, um, A737, Side Expressway, Clyde Tunnel Expressway, you will have seen a Glasgow-type sign gantry. They are enclosed gantries. That's to say that they are just a box, basically, with signage on the front. They are lit internally mm-hmm. so there's no back, uplighters backlit, backlit. Yep. yep and they have so signage on the top and a row typically of signal units or variable message signage on the bottom okay okay so somebody listening to this now let's compare then so they put up a whole lot of new gantries in mm-hmm. 2017 yes by coke bridge and other than new parts of the, the m8 those are not glasgow gantries those are not glasgow type gantries they are space frame type gantries and you'll okay. see them on the m90 the m9 uh, the parts of the M8, the M73, the M74. Yeah. Uh, we the ones we are talking about and are the, the white ones, the ones yeah. with the nice white narrow legs, mm-hmm. white box with uh, box with cladding front and rear yeah. with the nice internally illuminated signage on the front. Okay. And there are now over 150 of them. I didn't know that. That's network. a fantastic fact. Yes. I didn't know. <laughs> uh, there are there are a few of them, and they've grown over the years. Um, you know, uh, which we're going to cover just in a second. So I will try and explain how we've ended up with the network of, of gantries that we have, not just about the signage and, and the, the, the sort of physical appearance of them, but also the, the technology behind them, the signalling system and all that, all that developed as mm-hmm. well. Okay, great. And you're going to chuck in some questions I have a few. As we go. I have a few. Maybe as I go out, maybe at the end, if you don't address them. Okay, <laughs> well, that sounds fine. Okay, so let's start with the origins. And like most things in Glasgow, when we're talking about it, eh, its life grew from the highway plan for Glasgow. 
Okay. That famous highway yeah. study that dictated what the city's roads should look like over a thirty to forty year period from the from nineteen sixty five to nineteen ninety to the year two thousand. So, are you talking about the artist's impression that are within the highway plan yeah, of the of the gases yes, over the road? Y- yes and no. Okay. Um, so, in the artist's impressions within that plan, and and the most famous one is the Kingston Bridge, where it gives you that kind of indication of what an overhead sign gantry might look like. Mm-hmm. But there was also mentioned to the fact that there should be lane control. Um, and that, that modern technology then would allow for digital lane control, you know, so for road This is a 1965 and document, yes. and they're already prefacing what well, I, I don't like using the term smart motorway, but yeah, yeah like a managed motorway mm-hmm. was already being thought about in the 1960s. By that stage, we already had some trials underway on the M4. Uh, we had CCTV in the Clyde Tunnel, uh, automated telephones and, and, and automated responses and things like that, and traffic loops, you mm-hmm. know technology was starting to move at that point so it yeah. wasn't un, you know unreasonable to think because we always on. think of these things very new yeah you know manage you know motorway. you're going to have this you know world leading urban motorway system which is what yeah. glasgow aimed to have you needed to have a, a new trailblazing digital signaling system to go with that mm-hmm. now there's another side tip which is kind of digressing a wee bit from this but i think it's worth mentioning that the by 1965-66, Glasgow was already controlling several of its major traffic light junctions mm-hmm. automatically and remotely. Um, a From system a was trialed. Yeah, a system was trialed in conjunction with the Road Research Laboratory mm-hmm. in the early 60s in Glasgow to determine what automatic control of these junctions could look like. And that was even things like giving an, a green phase to emergency service vehicles as they were approaching junctions. All these sorts of things were trialled in Glasgow first. Mm-hmm. And by the, the, the mid-1960s, we already had an established signal control system in the city centre. So it made sense that, that looking at the, the new urban motorways coming along, that you would adapt that mm-hmm. and roll it out to suit the new roads as they were constructed and became available. And that's exactly what happened. Now, Scott Wilson Kirkpatrick, who we mention frequently in these podcasts, who were given the overall design of the study and the geometric alignment of the, the, the network, um, were asked to develop what the sign gantry should look like. Um, that also coincided with the fact that they were working on the design of the north flank of the inner ring road, okay. which was coming along first, Townhead Interchange, for example, mm-hmm. coming along first. So they were already working away in design. The Kingston Bridge and the West Flank followed just shortly afterwards. But Scott Wilson were crucially given the the, the sort of a the, the remit to to design what the gantries would look like, just like they were given the remit for the masonry clad retaining walls as okay. well. High mass lights, all these things. They were all sort of done. Scott Wilson basically took the lead on yep. that sort of thing. And there was a chap in the team there, Gavin Walker, his name was a structures engineer who came up with the idea of having a box. Uh, it's technically, from an engineering point of view, it's a veering deal truss. Okay, a lot of people don't realise that because it's clad from the outside. A you don't realise it's a truss. truss. Google that veering deal truss. Okay? <laughs> Never heard of yeah. that. Okay. So basically, that's a steel a steel frame um, held in place by two yeah. steel supports either end, over clad with the white corrugated cladding. Mm-hmm. that we all see as we drive under, and then a subframe mounted to the front of that main truss, mm-hmm. which holds the signage and the digital communication system. Okay. Okay. Simple as that. From it's an like, engineering like point of view, very simple. over the road then. It's yeah. completely enclosed, yes. and it has these yeah. ports for, for the, the MSUs, as we call them. Now, as we also discuss frequently about the Glasgow motorway system, mm-hmm. the aesthetic was a very important consideration, and what yeah. they wanted was some architectural input 
So the gantries colour scheme matched that other famous colour scheme we've discussed before with the barriers and the parapets and all these things. It was white or a goose yeah. grey colour. So the gantries are that colour. They remain that colour to this day. Mm-hmm. Um, it was also decided that rather than use stacked signage like we use in other parts of the UK, like, you know, it can go up to 5, 10 metres, 15 metres. Yeah, you've got all exactly. your destinations all stacked higher and the junctions perhaps up the top left and your main destination down With in the, the you know, below that. Yeah, arrows everywhere. And that was felt for a city centre location where you were trying to mitigate against the impact of this road as much as you could. Mm-hmm. that putting signage of that nature in there just was not appropriate. Whereas having a nice light grey, white coloured box yeah. with a couple of lines of text and a row of signals, fairly minimalist approach. Yeah, you want brevity. Yeah. yeah. I mean, you're putting one in front of the Mitchell Library, for example, you don't want something that's going to detract from the views of the library. Yeah, but also something that I, I my thought with that was because you're driving along this thing, there are a lot of exits. Mm-hmm. You want oh, yeah. something nice and short. Mm-hmm. You can see, oh, that's where I want to go. And the other reason for, for, for the, the need for gantries Aside from the, the signal point of view is obviously signage. And in an urban area where space is limited and you're trying not to buy as m- too much land, mm-hmm. it's easier to put your signage above the road than it is to squeeze it in at the side of the road like on a rural motorway. Right. Where again, signage can be quite tall on a 70 oh, yeah. mile an hour ro- you know, rural mor- motorway. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so th- that was not appropriate for the, for the ring road, the inner ring road. And the mm-hmm. inner ring road obviously led, you know, came along first. So... With Holford's input and the corporation's input, that's Glasgow Corporation uh, and Scott Wilson, they all got together and came up with this idea for the Glasgow type sign gantry. And the first of them were actually proposed for Townhead, but Kingston Bridge pipped them to the post because Kingston completed 1970. They put up three on the bridge. Um, Woods, it was decided at Townhead to wait until the first stage of the Woodside contract was finished before they would erect them right. there. So it was 1971 before the, the Scott Wilson section got them, even though they had agreed on the overall design. Now, when I say they agreed on the design, what I mean by that is the overall look of them, because there were distinct differences between the Scott Wilson design gantries and the Fairhurst design gantries in the West Flank, at least initially. Okay, but that's only from a structural engineering point of view. Right. To, to the layman driving below, it, it would just have looked like a Glasgow-type sign gantry. Right, but okay. there are a couple that's, that are still out there. Original Scott Wilson one's still out there. I'm going to mention them a bit later. Remind me to mention them. Because okay. now when people see them, they'll go, ah, oh, that's one of those Scott Wilson original gantries. I hope they do. Yeah. I will. All right. Okay. So, <laughs> Woodside, uh, Woodside completed, Kingston Bridge completed. We've got our L-shaped bypass of the city centre, the 50% completed section of the inner ring road. And we have a number of gantries that are on there. So obviously, we're looking to expand the network. And the next road that came online was the Clydeside Expressway in 1973. Yeah. And the Clydeside Expressway has gantries on it as well. Then the south approaches to the Clyde Tunnel came along. That has gantries. That has gantries as well. Mm -hmm. So the network was getting slightly bigger, slightly bigger. Obviously, the difference between the Clydeside Expressway and the M8 was the colour of the sign panels white on the Clyde Expressway because it's a non-primary route. Yeah. Blue on the motorways with an occasional green panel for major air roads or, and truck roads going Or white panel off. if you're over yeah. your next. Over, yeah. Or a white panel over an exit, as you say. Clyde Tunnel Expressway, slightly different. So the south approach to the Clyde Tunnel. That had green panels initially because the A739 was a primary route. Mm-hmm. Not a trunk road, but one of Glasgow's primary routes. That's right. And yeah. that then linked up with the primary section of the A82 at Annie's on Cross. So okay. originally, those gantries also had green panels. So it's a bit of a lesson on, on colours and signs here yes. as well. But no, Indeed. Good. And yellow text, mm-hmm. of course. So, network continues to grow. So the next projects to come along, Monkland Motorway Stage 1. 
So with NCR hold of the new gantries rolled out all the way out to what's now Junction 12 at Cumbernauld Road. So that's from, yeah, Townhead out towards 12. Yep. And then the same with the Renfrew motorway between Kingston Bridge and Hillington. Mm-hmm. When those two contracts came online in 1976, another load of gantries built all the way out to, to Hillington. And then, of course, Monkland Motorway Stage 2 out to Bay Austin. That finished the core network of gantries in 1980. Yeah. Okay. So for a number of years, that's what we had. Now, in the early days, they didn't actually have the digital control system, the signal control system, to operate the signal units. However, they future-proofed the gantries by putting the signal units in them and providing all the cabling and all the ducts and trunking and all the rest of it you need in the cabinets. Right, but there was no way of controlling it. But there was no way of controlling it yet because that simply hadn't been designed at that Mm -hmm. stage. Okay? So what they did was they put the signal unit in the gantry and they left it permanently switched on with a downward-facing arrow. Oh, and anyone okay. who's ever seen any of our archive photos I've never seen the gantries, gantries do that but yep. yeah I've seen it in photos yep. the gantries all had downward pointing arrows above each just line. meaning yes this line and that helped drivers to understand whether they were in the right lane for whichever direction or exit they were looking to use great mm-hmm. what could go wrong brilliant that takes us to 1980 and at around about that stage the Citrac system becomes available for use now that's the centrally integrated traffic control system okay okay developed by the road research laboratory in conjunction with one of the universities in the northeast of england and strathclyde regional council obviously glasgow corporation ceased to exist in 1975 so strathclyde region took that on and in 1981 this wonderful system went live it included cctv overhead lane control um the sos phones as well they were all linked into that and a lot of the traffic signalling in the city centre that had been developed earlier and was then, you know, expanded. That was all part of this Citrac system. So it became part of Citrac. Not only was it focused on central Glasgow, eventually it spread right out through the conurbation and they were able to control traffic signals as far away as Dumbarton, Greenock, Lanark, Motherwell, Coatbridge, Cumbernauld, all these places, all at the switch of a button, push of a button in Glasgow. That's wonderful. But where where was that all controlled from then? So that was was it a, a central control room. So we had so we had two control rooms initially for Citrac right. because in those days the police still had a crucial role. Only the police were able to close lanes of traffic at that time or implement road closures. So the police were responsible for answering the SOS telephones mm-hmm. and for implementing lane closures. But the other control room, the Strathclyde Region Operated Control Room, they were able to put up warnings like fog speed reductions, accident warnings, all that sort of thing, and yeah. working in close you know, proximity with the police at Helen Street uh, to make sure that the correct information was going out there. So the Strathclyde region people were sort of dealing with the routine operation of the system, viewing the CCTV and whatnot. And obviously the police traffic guys had access to all this as mm. well. Okay. Okay. So right through the 1980s, that's the situation that we had. And we had active lane control of the M8 through the city and we do have some photos that show so you know, lane closures and things so in they place. could put red x's red on red x's and stuff like that. um in the old days you might remember i don't know if you're old enough to remember when you used to reach the end of roadworks or restrictions now where it says end mm-hmm. it used to be the circle with the diagonal line through it to so like a national speed national limit. speed limit yeah so see. you'll see some of the photos on our website uh, that show the end of so restrictions did they like show that. the advisory um limits back yes. then as well yes, so 30 40 yes. 50 yeah. so congestion can started to appear in the, the north flank of the inner ring road from the summer of 1980 not long after 
<laughs> the ring road and, and the M8 that the Belson was completed. Yeah. Uh, so yes, there was always that aspect of, of having advisory speed limits to try and control traffic from the earliest days of the system. Okay. With me okay. so far? I'm with you yep. so far. I'm mm-hmm. just kind of like, this sounds all very good. Yes. Um, you've got all these centrally, I'm talking about like the traffic lights mm-hmm. and things mm-hmm. and stuff like that as well. Wonderful. Yeah. So how did this evolve? So... Basically, so what we have now yeah. is, as I think of this as Traffic Scotland now. Yes. You know. Well, so there's, so there's a story to tell. So if you think of us being now in the early 80s, yeah. we had our core network of gantries and roads. Obviously, there had been a rethink through the late 70s and into the 80s about what the network was going to look like. Mm-hmm. And it was decided to shelve a number of the projects like the Maryhill Motorway and the other bits and bobs we've spoken about so many times before. Yeah. However, they obviously wanted to complete the M80 steps bypass, mm-hmm. the M77 out to Newton Mearns. Which was the yep. air motorway. Mm-hmm. Um, and also the yep. M74 across okay. across the south of the city. Mm-hmm. And uh, very slowly, very progressively, they made progress in doing that. Okay. So the M80 steps bypass, 1992, Glasgow type gantries on there. Yes. M77, 1996, Glasgow type gantries there. Mm-hmm. St. James Interchange improvements, 1993. Glasgow. They took the decision then to expand the, the network from Hillington all the way out. That's right, because they 30. added in new ones in mm-hmm. there. Uh-huh. Yep. And uh, and then likewise, when the M74 sections started coming along, it gets a wee bit more interesting. Um, I'll come to that in a minute. Mm-hmm. But before that, we should talk about what the, the gantries looked like initially. Okay. okay. Now, again, you, you need to look at the photos that we've put up previously of, of the original type sign gantries. So basically, you had a single sheet of acrylic perspex on the front that went from the top to the bottom of the sign face. Okay. Continuous sheet of plastic. Okay. Okay. Um, as I mentioned, all the designers had their own style of putting these together. There was no consistency of approach, you know? It wasn't like the corporation had come up with design and said, you will build this. The the Scott the, Wilsons, the Fairhurst, the Halcros, all these people came up with their own take on how the gantry would look. They were, they were trying to make it look the same, but obviously the intricate details of the structure were different. Were different. Okay? Yeah, it was in the detail. Yeah. Now, in the early 80s, not long after Citrac, Citrac went live, we had a problem because it was found that in extreme weather conditions, i.e. high winds, there was an effect in the gantry where there was a, almost a suction effect, you know, or sort of vacuum effect within the gantry with, with right, the so rippling this, of the air and the wind. This is okay. with something like acrylic. This yeah. Would be... So the acrylic was bending. Okay. Okay. Unbeknownst to the region, that was happening. And just given the sort of details and the design of some types of them, particularly the Fairhurst ones where they, they had used like a hanging block system, I think was the detail, and others used rods and things like that. This constant movement of the acrylic was actually weakening it and putting fractures and things in there that you couldn't see from ground level. And after particularly poor weather in 1981, a section of acrylic fell off a gantry oh dear. and landed right on up. the road below. Right, oh, yeah, I was going to say, it's only going to land in one place. Yes. Now, this is acrylic that's particularly thick. You know, we're not far off an inch thick. Mm-hmm. Um, two metres high, 2.6 metres high, potentially in some places, you know. Quite a big, beefy section. Yeah, that'll do damage. Having that coming down on the road is obviously unacceptable. So the region instigated a number of inspections and studies to look at each of the different types of gantry that had been designed. So North Flank, West Flank, Renfrew Motorway, Clyde City Expressway, to get an idea of what all the various designs were like and come together. And what they found was that some worked better than others. 
but also that the, the front panels really needed to be reinforced in some way. That this single height detail, which looked great and gave you a nice consistent sheet. And when you think about the motorway ones at that point were blue from top to bottom, mm-hmm. right? The basically had to beef it up, okay? And what that led to was the creation of two rows of acrylic, much thicker acrylic, and what we now know as the mid-fascia support. So when you look at a Glasgow-type gantry now, you've got your signage at the top, mm-hmm. you've got a thin grey or black bar that runs from left to right below the signage, and you've then got your row of signal units with another row of acrylic panels there. Yeah. So that was the key change there. Okay, okay so it's reinforced... I mean, did they completely change the acrylic? Or yes. Was it, so yeah. that was all... Yeah. It wasn't just, we'll just put this on and it'll no. be fine. No, okay. so there was there was a complete change. And pro- progressively through the, the late 80s and into the mid-90s, all of those old-style gantries were mm. phased out. Now, they're not all gone because in the Clyde Tunnel Expressway, so south approaches to the tunnel, there's one at the off-slip where the Lidl store is just off oh, yeah. Govan yeah, Road. I know, I know you are. There's yeah. one there that's been patched to death, this gantry. It's covered in patches. That still has full height acrylic. Mm-hmm. And also on the Clydeside Expressway, just west of Anderston, yes. the first gantry in the westbound Clydeside Expressway is still before the original type before finishing. Yeah. And that's full full height white acrylic. That's still in the original style as well. Oh, okay? okay. So anybody who wants to know what am I talking about, what's what's different about it, go look at those two gantries and you'll see that they're different. And if you look at the next gantry, the gantry across the road, you'll see we have the grey row on the bottom, the black bar in the middle. And then you blew your white signage on the top. Fantastic. Right? Yeah, we really okay. should have been doing this as a video podcast. We could be okay, yeah, have some pictures or something like that. As a presentation. So that was the but key you... change that came in the, the early 80s and has been used ever since. Okay. So we have two rows now rather than a single height panel. Yeah. You know, from top to bottom. Okay. Now, what that had the effect of doing was bringing into question almost, and I hate to use the word legality, right? Because that's not the right word. But that was when people started to say, oh, these gantries aren't right. They don't fit the, the, the manual, the sign manual, and, you know, the TSRGD, yeah. the traffic signs and general yeah. regulations and directions thing. Um, that all started to come in. And also when Citrac went live, they turned off all the downward arrows. Yes. Okay, so the digital arrows went at that point. So that's where a lot of questioning comes in about whether, you know, whether they're appropriate, uh, you know, the, the, the sign is still whether they're... they're what is in that there? Why is that a problem, though? Is it just not because it's not adhering to standard or yeah. is it because it, it's confusing? Well, some say that some say they're confusing. Some people say that if you're not a regular driver in Glasgow, that the overhead signage can be confusing. But the, the accident rates and, and, and the general experience of people using the motorways every day doesn't Don't back that up. I've not really heard it from locals, put it that yeah, way. Yeah. Uh, it seems to be observations made by by people who, who contrast them to gantries yeah. elsewhere. Taking it back to, to, to the origins, I mean, at the time these gantries were developed, there were no standards for urban yeah. sign gantries. I was just about yeah. to say this. There were yeah. no standards. So, actually, in some respects, the Glasgow gantry was designed first, ahead of yeah. a number of other ones, you know, elsewhere. So there are no more right or wrong than anything else that's been developed over time and the simple concept was when you're driving on the road if you're below the destination above you you will go there so if you're on the m8 and it says greenock above your head you will you will eventually get to greenock if you stay there likewise if you are you know if you're in lane one and you're looking to leave the motorway um this on the approach to the slip roads half if you if you know half of the lane 
is taken up by the main destinations, so for mm -hmm. the main carriageway, and the other half is taken up by the slip road. So if you're heading east in the M8, okay. and you see you're approaching junction 13, yeah. right? Okay. Um, in fact, 13 is not a good example because it's the M80 and it's very clearly say, shown, and you've got two drop. lanes dropping off. Ignore me on So there drops. is a difference here. You're talking about yeah. the difference between a diverge yes. and a lane drop. Yes. And a diverge is where three lanes carry on and you... You can go off the motorway. You can go yeah. off the motorway. So to cover the lane drops here, so that's a good that is a good example for lane drops. Like in the M, approaching the M80, you've got a five lane section. Yeah. Two lanes go off to the M80. Three continue in the M8. If yeah. you're in the two leftmost lanes, you will only have M80 signage above you. Likewise, yes. if you're in lane three, four, and five, you only have M8 signage above you. Yeah. Right. See, we're going to junction twelve. Okay. Right. All right. And we're going to leave the motorway at junction twelve in the eastbound direction. After we pass Proven, okay, so we're back to three lanes. The leftmost lane of the gantry will be split between two so half of the left panel will show steps a80 yeah but it will also have a part of the me edinburgh carlisle encroaching in the lane as well yeah okay so the concept there is if i'm in lane one and half that sign above me is taken up by the, the slip road destination the other half is taken up by the m8 i know that i can leave the motorway from this lane or continue ahead in it Yes, okay, it's, right. it's a diverge. Yeah, simple. And when you get to the slip road, obviously there's a separate box yes. for the slip road. And that's where you see the different colour. Yes, it goes white. That is what proves controversial as well, because mm -hmm. other gantries that do not do that. No. You know, they just stick, if you're a motorway, it's blue. And you'll well, the one at Queensferry Crossing has white above the off-slip. It, it does, mm -hmm. but there are always anomalies. Yes. So mm -hmm. there you go. Um, it's, it's generally, when you're on a motorway, you see these, the, the blue. So. Okay. So, where are we? We've changed the panel design. Yes. We've rolled out a whole network of them. They're everywhere. Mm -hmm. And um, you've spoken well, about how the equipment's now gone live. Yep, the equipment's now live. We can control incidents, red X's, all that sort of stuff. What happens next? Okay. Well, there's a number of other things that happened as, as the, the sign is developed. So, initially, all the boxes had flat roofs. Now, flat roofs on anything in Glasgow, never a good idea. Rain <laughs> gets in. I so, always thought you were going to say pubs there. Oh, God. <laughs> yeah. Flat roof pub. Never flat trust. roof pubs, yeah. Okay. They never trust them. Um, <laughs> the so, Clyde Tunnel had a flat roof inside us originally, did it, it did not? It did indeed, yes. Yeah, it did go. indeed. Um, so the flat roofs didn't work. So through the 80s and the 90s, we put sloped pitched roofs on all the gantries. So if you look so at the gantries, you that. Yeah. looking at them. Still then. a couple with flat roofs on the Clydeside Expressway and the Clyde Tunnel Expressway. Yeah. Poor Glasgow City Council haven't been just so quick to move forward <laughs> okay. with their upgrades, sadly. Um, more on that later. Uh, so there are a couple of flat-roofed gantries still out there. The last trunk road gantry with a flat roof was uh, refurbished in 2013. Oh, well, I may have had some involvement in that. Ah, uh, right. Um, okay. Oh, another interesting fact that I should say that originally, in the days before we had all this vinyl, you know, coloured vinyls that we could use. The colours in the gantry were painted on. They were inks. It was inks that were used. Oh, yeah. right. Okay. Mm -hmm. Because I, I, I have a question. Yeah. I'm sorry if you're about to cover this. Mm -hmm. But I've seen the old photos, particularly of the gantries at night, yeah. which people should go and have a look at mm -hmm. on the website. Mm -hmm. And you can see a bleeding effect yes. on yeah. these. Is that because of the ink? Yes. Was so it decided that these weren't very good? That's right. Yeah. So basically, inks were used initially. Mm -hmm. um, now... There seems to, again, there seems to have been two styles. When you look at the video of the construction of the Kingston Bridge, you see the guys there the day before opening painting the inks onto the outside face of the acrylic. Right, okay. On the Scott Wilson ones, the ink was painted onto the inside of the acrylic, right? Don't suppose it matter too much. Same effect overall, mm -hmm. right? You stenciled, they stenciled in the text, like actually stenciled it in, right? Fascinating yeah. stuff. A skill in itself, no longer needed. Where 
are they doing um, this? Are they doing this when the gantry's up and over the road? Yes, because opening? original. And again, this is I something. Would do I, this in a factory. Something I should have mentioned. Good point. <laughs> the original gantries were brought to site in sections, so they would put up the legs, then they'd put up the truss, then they would clad it on site, then they'd put up the signage, then they'd put in the electrics, then they would do the, the all the other bits and bobs, the hatch. The no roof. way. Whereas now, because if you look at our Monkland <laughs> Motorway Stage One photos, there's a skeletal. Uh, you'll see the skeleton frame of the gantries yeah. above the carriageway after the road is open. To me, that should be prefabbed and yeah. bust in. Yeah. You know? By the 80s, they were coming in prefabbed. Yeah. Other than the ends and things like that. Because obviously you've got time considerations and stuff. And you don't want guys working above the road um, no. <laughs> in these open frame things when there's traffic below. Just picture this as you saying yeah. guys actually stenciling mm-hmm. it on. As, uh, yeah, as yeah, yeah. yeah. So the ink... Basically, the ink had a, had a limited shelf life, obviously. Uh, variations in temperature, moisture, all these things led to the, the, the ink to degrade quickly. Um, so there are some photos, as you see on the website, that show uh, a lot of bleeding, a running effect of the, yeah. of the ink, so that it was getting to the stage where some gantries actually couldn't be read at night mm-hmm. because the, the fluorescent lighting behind was basically overpowering what was Yeah, I was just going to ask, like, uh, about lighting. Mm-hmm. Originally, how were these lit? You say backlit. Was yeah. it was it, was it it just kind of large, powerful lamps or fluorescence yeah. or something like that? So all the, Gla- the Glasgow gantries were always backlit using fluorescent lighting tubes, five foot long, 72 watts. So um, like a strip lamp? Strip like, light, yep. Strip like you light. get in the garage? Like you get in the garage. Yeah. Uh, and there could be up to 80, 85 of them in some of the bigger oh, gantries. Goodness. Yeah, huge numbers of fittings in there but providing this really uniform light across the you know the internal face so wonderful absolutely wonderful were all of them fitted with that all of them everyone right okay yeah every single one which we'll talk about ones that aren't lit in a sec okay because that's a 90s thing so yeah that's the lighting we spoke about the inks obviously vinyls and things started to become common during the 80s so we started to use scotch cal vinyl 3m product you Mm -hmm. get that in colors the glasgow gantry uh, type blue was like a teal color uh, originally based on the, the, the sort of original motorway blue, obviously now it's a much lighter blue. Um, yeah, because I was going to ask, why have yeah. we got two colours in yeah, some yeah, areas? Because yeah. there is the motorway blue, mm-hmm. but then you get this dark blue. Yeah, so the older that that vinyl was designed to match the original sort of ring road signage. If you look at our yeah. again, look at our old photos, you'll see the ring road signs much darker blue, almost like a teal coloured blue in places. Mm. That obviously changed as the reflective signage came on, which we're also going to cover in a second. Um, so. That said, we did still have some ink-backed gantries in use on the M8 as recently as 2013. Um, even with the split fascia, as, yeah. as we know it in the, in the trade, uh, you know, with the, after the changes were made. So some of the earliest changes that were made, you know, to fix those broken panels or whatever, they utilised ink, ink-backed uh, panels. Okay. All right. Uh, so much to talk about here. People don't realise how much there is actually <laughs> there involved is so in, in these things. So in these. But you're the right man to talk about it. And it, can I just say, it is a joy to you emphatically going on about this because you do you 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 do know your stuff. Well, yeah, that's, that's years of involvement, I suppose. <laughs> um, so that takes us to the nineties, right? So what was I talking about? We put pitched roofs on. Yeah. Um, oh, we also put ladders on because it became right. less easy to access the gantries from I was going to say, yeah, you get yep. in there. this is something to look out for, is, mm-hmm. is a lot of the old ones, they have the hatch in Hatches the bottom. Hatches on the bottom, yeah. One above lane one, usually one above lane three or four, whatever, the fast lane. So that so meant you'd lane. have to have a closure you need, to, yeah. to go in and In get the, to the earliest days of the ring road and in the motorway operation, they would stick on a daytime lane closure and go in without any disruption to traffic. Obviously, as traffic increased, that became less possible mm. because you couldn't cause disruption just for an inspection. So they started putting ladders on the near side and doors in the back and platforms and things so people could park up in the hard shoulder and get up and inspect them. 
that all rolled out progressively through the 80s and in the 90s in fact even in the 2000s there were still some that were being provided with ladders that didn't have them there are some that it's just not feasible to put ladders on them kingston bridge woodside viaduct places like that where obviously you, you don't have anywhere to stand to get up a ladder yeah. if you're on an elevated viaduct so some of them don't have them however they do now all have platforms in the back and doors for safe which, access which makes it easier yeah. because i'd imagine it's trying to get through like a loft hatch yeah i don't yeah. know have you ever gone through the hatch in the bottom too many times. Right, okay. And you had a Ramsey ladder that dropped down from the inside so of like the hatch. So like a loft. Yeah. yeah. And you would climb up, you would go up in, in your uh, cherry picker bucket and you'd climb onto this Ramsey ladder and up through the hatch. Uh, not yes. very good for moving equipment. No. No. Not good. Now the hatches are still there in most cases because they're big enough to allow the signalling units and things to be winched and hoisted up and down if they need to change any of them because they're quite big. Yeah. And a typical signalling unit, uh, now we're, we talk about MSUs, motor signal units. Yeah. This is ancient technology now, but some of it is still in use in Glasgow. They can be like 30, 40 kilos each. You know, yeah. These are the ones you see above the lanes with, and then you've got the flashing lanterns on either side. Yeah. It can be quite heavy. All ancient technology now, you know, forefront of technology many years ago, sadly, kind of fallen behind us as things happen. Um, however, other changes. Mid nineties come along. You wanted to talk about the M seventy four, so the M seventy four completion has a modified type of the Glasgow gantry. Basically, it's taller. That simply was to allow modern signalling equipment to be put on, right? Because also okay. that can signal everything. You get pictograms. Yeah, you can put colours and everything colours, red roundels, the lot on the M seventy four ones. You asked me before about why the M seventy four between Fulton Road and Maryville, when it was completed in nineteen ninety four, didn't have Glasgow gantries. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it had those concrete things. We had the concrete gantries there, based on the design for the M sixty uh, or the M sixty one in Manchester. Um, it was done as a trial to see how it worked. Uh, basically, they found what everybody else who doesn't have enclosed gantries finds your electrical equipment degrades in the wet weather and the decision was made to replace them with the, the space frame type when they upgraded the, the network roundabout there a, a, a few years ago mm. um, so where else did they go well we also got them in the A737 on the northbound or eastbound yep. approach to St James there's a few there um, and there's been some others there's some on the Springburn Expressway coming the, south there as are, well uh-huh. yeah. there's some on there and later on mm-hmm. um there, there are some on the, what was the M80 completion, yes. yep. but they're a little bit different. Yeah, so the ones in the M80 southbound are a sort of a variation of the Glasgow type, so they're still enclosed, they're still internally illuminated, however they're grey in the typical highway grey colour, and you see things like lifting points and a slightly different leg support yeah. arrangement on the but outside. But they're still at heart a Glasgow country. Yeah, they are. Yeah. You're right, you're absolutely right. And and they work as well as, as any of the others. Mm-hmm. Now, there's some other things that people are probably interested to know because obviously as things develop and things change, so did the gantries. So in the 1990s, these fluorescent tubes, obviously anybody who's ever had a fluorescent light in the house, they only last so long. Yeah. So you have to go in every now and again and change them. one or five or 10 or 20 or 80 as it was in I'd some imagine cases. imagine you getting these dark spots yeah. on them. Not yeah. only that, but obviously signage in general had moved on and, and having retro-reflective signage so that's signs that reflect in the dark, you know, if they're not lit so you can yeah. still see them. That technology had developed as well and it become very established. So in the early 90s, Strathclyde Region and then Glasgow City Council started to look at what changes could be made to the Glasgow gantries to, you know, to adapt them, to modernise them. Mm-hmm. And they looked at two things. So first was that whenever an old gantry went dark, you couldn't read the signage because it wasn't reflective. So they, they commissioned a couple of trials to see what they could do and the diamond grade product as we know it so that's reflective sign sheeting yeah uh, again developed by 3m who basically have a monopoly on on this type of material across the world <laughs> they were brought in in conjunction with a company called signature signature signs uh, who 
kind of still exist through Malatite, which yeah. who acquired Deorgan and other signage companies. They developed a system where the fluorescent light tubes were removed, and we used retroreflective sign sheeting on the front. And basically, instead of the fluorescent tubes, we had a light tube, a single light tube, top and bottom, right? And four or six or eight, depending on the location, four hundred watt white lamps. Okay, so big bulbs, big bright bulbs, mm, shining light, intensive. very energy intensive, shining light along these light tubes, providing a uniform light. Was it, and that that was obviously behind the fascia. Yes. Um, but it's reflective. Yes. If you know what I mean. Indeed. So it seems a bit strange now, to that's, backlight and have reflective. That's right. Now that system was referred to as the remote light source system because the lighting was remote to the side. It was at the edges. The theory yeah. being you had four lamps instead of 80 odd. Um, you would go in, you could change a lamp or whatever. Great idea. Worked, worked very well in practice. However, very energy intensive and a lot of heat generated by them as well mm -hmm. so a lot of them started to burn themselves out pretty quickly now the first one that was changed was across the road from the mitchell library if you're heading westbound on the m8 yes and there's a gantry in the charing cross canyon just approached to to anderson that was the first gantry that was changed to that particular system and the one across the road on the eastbound side in front of the mitchell library that was also an early one that was done as well mm -hmm. now we rolled out something like 30 to 40 in that style um, over you know throughout the 1990s and into the early 2000s um, you would have seen them in places like the m8 between junctions 20 and 26 a number were done so the big one at Brayhead, some of the ones in the kingston bridge that were done as part of the refurbishment there basically as all the old gantries started to require refurbishment whenever they were done they were changed to this new style with a light box yeah okay and that's what we have today so when you look up at the gantries now you if if the lighting's not working the signage is reflective, um, so you know, it provides a bit of backup there. Now, what I will say is that remote light source system is now gone on the trunk road network. So on the motorways, none of them exist. However, okay. the Glasgow City Council gantries run about the Riverside Museum that were put in as part of the upgrade of that <coughs> junction. 2008. Yep, yep. run about there. What's that round, what was that roundabout called? Ferry, oh, ferry Road. When ferry they got Road. Rid of that. Yep. All those gantries run about there. They still utilise this remote light source system. Okay, so there are still some on the network. Um, the development of LED technology meant that you could start to consider new approaches. So when the M74... Well, LEDs are a lot smaller, oh, yeah. aren't they? Yeah. And they use less energy. So when the M74 completion project was being designed, um, they were saying, look, do we really want to still use these big, very hot, very energy-intensive lamps? No. And at that point, Merson Signs, who were working with the designers of the M74 completion, proposed an LED-based system, where basically you have a row of LED lights at the top and bottom of the box, and they then provide the lighting out. Just like Massively. those LED strips that you yes, can buy from exactly. Ikea. Massively <laughs> reducing the energy requirements, reducing it by some of like 80% per gantry. I suppose we, we have to forgive uh, you know, these things in the past because they just didn't have LED technology back exactly. then. You know, yep. Or not readily available. Mm -hmm. And know? certainly not white. You know, white was, I think, was one of the last colours for, for mm -hmm. LED to actually come along. Blue and white and you know, getting all these... Yeah. You know, being able to do the full spectrum of colours was a, a, a relatively new thing even now. Mm. You know, so it, so they've done that. The M80 variation of the Glasgow Gantries also has an LED backlit system, slightly different. I won't bore you with the details on that, but it does use LED. Uh, so now when any gantries are refurbished, and there is a rolling programme of that, and anybody in Glasgow, you've maybe some nights you're out and about, you'll see a gantry in the back of a truck. It's getting yep. taken away to the factory to get its full refurbishment. Um, progressively, they're working through the old acrylic styles you know doing away with them bringing them back with the nice new led light boxes that's all progressively continuing probably will for for a number of years yet um that basically brings us 
to, to now, to, to the present day. Yeah. Okay. Um, there are still some of the... Are, how many fluorescent lit gantries do we have left? Quite a few. M77, there's some there. Uh, A737. So these are all the 1990s mm-hmm. ones. Yeah. You can tell because they've got that darker blue. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. So they're all still, you know, they're using fluorescent tubes. However, a lot of them are actually LED tubes now because you get fluorescent you style do. light tubes that are actually yeah, LED. Just like you get an LED bulb that yeah. looks like a traditional light bulb. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So they will progressively disappear over the years ahead. No uh, yeah. I mean, there's a few of them, particularly the top ends uh, when you're at Dumbreck. You yeah. know, there's, there's a few that have loads of destinations on them. Mm-hmm. So I'm looking forward to seeing what the new designs yeah. are for these. Now, there are some anomalies because in the, the mid-1990s when they were trialling this remote light source system, they also looked at just using reflective diamond grade system mm-hmm. uh, in the sense that there was no backlighting at all. Yeah. Okay? So there are a number so of countries being a backup system, yeah. it'll be, uh, you know... There are... Probably around 10-ish gantries that actually don't light up at all, signage-wise. Mm-hmm. One in the Kingston Bridge, uh, westbound. Um, it's the one before the West Street off-ramp. Oh, um, next to the co-op building. Yeah, yep. yeah the one before that, the one on the middle oh, of the bridge. Right, okay. That's a reflective sign. The Junction 16 westbound off-slip, that's a reflective sign. Uh, where else, where else? Testing my own memories now. Uh, oh, the- between Clyde Tunnel and Brayhead, there's right. one heading eastbound. I in there. think the one on the Kingston Bridge, they probably want a backlight. But then, yeah, you go, yeah. it's a trial. So basically, the trial was done, and it was initially decided that one in three, because every junction has three gantries. Did, mm-hmm. did we know that? Should we mention that? Probably that is part of the signalling system. Each junction has a minimum of three gantries in the approach. One above the slip road, one usually at the quarter mile, usually one at a half mile. Ideally one at the mile mark. Not always possible on an urban motorway system. I was going to say, you'd have three junctions in that space. Mm -hmm, Exactly. So, yeah, you can't exactly apply that rule across the board. Um, And they they agreed for a a while that one in three could be dark, but they've since changed that policy in now all gantries, as is the UK requirement that any sign gantry in a lit area or a, a lit section of road must be lit so that yeah. it can be seen because reflective signage doesn't always work well for truck drivers because no, their lights are at a funny angle and, yeah, yeah. and in poor weather. Uh, I, I was just going to yeah say about this, but um, I mean, there's loads of them. You gave us a wonderful figure of how many of these gantries um, are there across? In total? Yeah. Uh, over 150. Okay. Well, um, there was an exotic type of gantry, wasn't there? At Junction 25, Cardonald, there was what was called the butterfly. Oh, the butterfly. Yeah, and there were more than that originally. Mm. So that's a good one to mention, John, because although they're not gantries as such, they were there. So there was the old butterfly sign at the Cardonald on slip westbound. So that's where you're going around that loop. Yep. yep. Coming on from the Clyde Tunnel. That had the Glasgow gantry type signage on it. Mm-hmm. And, also his, and MSUs. And, yeah. and the MSU signal units, now replaced by the big MS4 boards Yeah. Um, at the start of the slip road. Going back even further, the butterfly sign on the Kingston Bridge, as you head eastbound, just before the diverge for the Clydeside Expressway and Anderston, there's a, a butterfly sign yeah. in there. That had Glasgow Gantry type signage on it originally. Yeah. The one at Great Western Road Junction, yes, that was the same. But also, and this is a real did you know moment, <laughs> the two portals of the underpass at Charing Cross, yes, they also were backlit Glasgow Gantry style signs as well until the 90s. Yes, I did because you said, yeah. I was like, why aren't they lit? Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. you say, well, Whereas they're all now just reflective signs. Yeah, They now wouldn't light up at all. 
So that's a good one to mention. So are we quite yeah. happy with these just reflective ones? Do you think they're working quite well? In some or, places, they seem to. Yeah. Or are we just going to... Is it quite easy to go, you know what, let's put some LEDs in there? I think as the gantries become refurbished and, and they get done, um, and when they get taken away for refurbishment, they're completely okay. refurbished. Only the steelwork is retained, everything else is renewed. Um, and, re, and the steelwork is blasted back, repainted. You know, you could get another few decades out of them. Yeah. Um, you know, in that regard, so they, they, they come back. We upgrade the barriers and things around about them as well. Sometimes you get maintenance laybys and things I've like that. I've seen that, going, that in. going in, like so. You, you get the hard standing laybys, mm-hmm. which is fantastic because it means you can bark up there without having to sit on a hard yeah. shoulder. And uh, as you say, um, barriers and, and things like that. Yeah. So, if I mean, there was you know, sometimes these things have been hit. Mm-hmm you know, in the past, so. Yeah. Now, we spoke at the start about people saying they're confusing, some people say they're wrong, some people say that they're yeah. illegal. You, or, or I whatever. think you've covered that yeah. quite well. I don't think that, I don't think that's the case. The Glasgow gantries existed before any of the other standards. Yes. So therefore, they have never been written out of existence. Just no. because the standards that have come since don't cover them doesn't mean that, that doesn't make them not right. You so know, you, a lot of double negatives in there. What are you saying? Have they got grandfather rights? Yeah, let's go for that. They've got grandfather <laughs> rights. Grandfather rights, to be yeah. right. I, I just don't hear any any people who who use the system regularly complain about it. No, I, I don't. Either. But then again, Stuart, counter argument: Are the locals using the site? Probably not, because they know where they're going. But maybe a visitor to the place is confused. But I, then again, but the accident I, rate doesn't back that up. Right. Okay. Mm. It's an interesting one. <laughs> yeah, it is. I think I think people have common sense ultimately, mm-hmm. and it's like the tight loops at some of the slip roads in Glasgow that nowadays just would never be built but the original designers like John Cullen and others would say well if you're approaching a loop that's that tight if we're signing it you just slow down yes totally different approach to design in those days yeah, but now we're a bit more there's far know. more blooming accidents on the larger radius loops than you get yeah. on the you get on blooming the, the tight ones yes. it's almost do you know they're almost traffic calmed that's yes. the, the thing with it your capacity is right. not fantastic yeah. but they, they do the job you're absolutely right but and the, I think the gantries are kind of the same you know yeah. But when you're driving on an urban motorway, although it's not signed, you're mm-hmm. entering the urban motorway. You just know to have your wits about you the, in a different way. The crux of it for a lot of people simply is that they don't have arrows. Yeah. P- pointing downwards. So, okay, do we just turn the arrows back on and have a left facing one for the junction or whatever? And then yeah. is that going to help everybody? Is that a diverge? No. Yeah. When you talk about arrows, you have the stacked sign yeah. where the sign mm-hmm. is stacked above yep. with the arrow, you know, pointing up diagonally. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Well, that, that could be if mm-hmm. people really do feel that way. Yeah, possibly. So I I obviously would disagree with anyone who said <laughs> that they felt the gantries were, weren't fit for purpose. You're or, a gantry evangelist. Mm-hmm, so you indeed, are. indeed. Yep. Now, there's another side to, the, to this, to gantries, that, to the Glasgow type in particular, that you and I would maybe appreciate from the health and safety point of view that others perhaps wouldn't, are just driving underneath or not thinking about these things. Yep. But when you have a nice enclosed gantry like that, all your electrical equipment, which can you know, because tens of thousands of pounds. And and doesn't like water yeah. or, or birds. Protect, yeah. birds. Exactly. The, the Scottish climate, <clears throat> you know, mm-hmm. in particular, it's all fully enclosed. So a lot of this technology that I mentioned was now ancient. Had it been out in the elements, would have been long ago mm. out of use. You know, it's know. protected in a nice, comfortable environment. Also a good, safe working environment for the people who need to maintain those signals and as well. And them and yeah. do other things like so that So there is well. that side of it as well. And some people say, well, I don't, I don't care about that. I remember having a discussion many years ago on Sabre with people, uh, the Sabre Roads website, <laughs> uh, about people that they, they said, well, that, that doesn't matter. No, I'm sorry. Health and safety is the single most important thing for people who have to work on the road. Oh, absolutely. Um, we you know, do that. Yeah. You know, so, yeah, no, mm-hmm. I totally agree with yeah. you. you yeah. know. But there are, you know, there are, there are, signage people out there who are perhaps a bit set in their their ways and, and have their views and we'll, we'll respect it 
whether we agree with them or not. Absolutely. Maybe, mm-hmm. maybe these people just need to spend more time in Glasgow to become converted to the You're cause. right. You're absolutely <laughs> right. Um, Wonderful. So a couple of things before you give me a couple of questions. Sure. Uh, the future, really, I would say, given the refurbishments are continuing, there is obviously a long life still in the Glasgow gantries. They've been adapted at least twice before to suit changes. Mm-hmm. I imagine they could be adapted again to suit modern technology, modern signalling. Uh, maybe that'll be a change. Um, you know, sat-navs and things are coming into play, um, but we still need signage. Not everybody has access to that at any one time. Um yeah, I think they've got a long life ahead of them. There's Good. so many of them in Glasgow, they're not just going to disappear overnight. Um, mm-hmm. It'll be interesting to see what the future holds. Um, I should mention, anyone who drives in the Clydeside Expressway or the Clyde Tunnel Expressway in the last few weeks will have noticed gantries not in use signs. Yeah, And I'm sad to report that Glasgow City Council have taken the decision to decommission the signalling system on the Clydeside Expressway and the Clyde Tunnel Expressway. Um I don't really know the reasons behind that. I imagine it probably comes down to the cost of having the renewal of the equipment. Uh, my understanding is that the signage will be remaining as is. However, the signalling system will be decommissioned. Um, so the, the, uh, what about the structure itself? So obviously they'll, they'll yeah. keep that gantry yeah, yeah. there for some, but the signalling equipment I won't. believe that is the intention at the moment. But Whether the, it comes back, I'm not sure. Isn't the signalling controlled by Traffic Scotland though, even though they're non-trunk? I believe that has changed recently with the change of contracts and operators um, at right. Traffic Scotland. I believe Traffic Scotland is now focused entirely on the trunk road system. Again, there's something we probably should have mentioned, and this could be another podcast in itself. Citrac eventually became Maddox. Uh, I'm not going to cover this in detail because it is a podcast and so on. In the East, they developed FedEx, which was yeah. the fourth estuary driver information system, and we had Citrac in the West. In the 90s, it was decided to amalgamate them into a single organisation, Nadex, National Driver Information Control System. Yeah. That then became Traffic Scotland. That's just the system. Yeah, the people who upgrade, the, yeah. uh, update the gantries. Exactly. The, yeah, and yeah. look at the CCTV. And we'll do another podcast on all that. That would be a really point. good yeah. one. Mm-hmm. I think Traffic yeah. Scotland would be a good one. Traffic Scotland, obviously, are, are, are the people who control the gantries and things in the trunk road system. Not just them, but also the variable message sign network that rolled out you know, through the 90s and, and into the 2000s as well. All of that stuff is controlled by them. Mm-hmm. So that's a whole other podcast. So yeah, uh, Glasgow have decided to go their own way with these these things. Shame, because Clydeside Expressway was one of the earliest ones and to have the signal. They put new gantries on some of it at Ferry I Road know. as well. So I know. maybe one day... You know they'll they'll uh, they'll find their mojo and they'll they'll Hopefully. give them the love they deserve. So. I hope so. So a couple of questions. Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah. you touched on this about uh, the future, the here to stay, yeah, yeah. Uh, and stuff like that. But what if we look at a future where everyone? I don't necessarily agree with this, but mm-hmm. people will think this where we have driverless cars or advanced navigation systems and stuff like. Is there this massive need for signage? If you know what I mean. Well. There's a difference between signage and signalling. Right. Right, because signage, fixed plate, green up, yeah. Barton, Erskine Bridge, blah, blah, blah. But my car's already driving me there. It yes. doesn't need to read that. Signalling, yeah. however, is very different and adapts to the conditions of the road. And okay. I suppose sat-nav technology, as it stands at the moment, cannot give you particular instructions for the lane that you're in. So if you're in roadworks overnight, yeah, your Google Maps and your, your car, Apple CarPlay or whatever, or Android are going to tell you that, uh, that there's roadworks ahead. But what it won't tell you is that lane three is open and lane one and two are closed. No. Uh, I, yeah, right? yeah, you're right, because it's a kind of dynamic setup. Or if yeah. there's an accident ahead, 
uh, yet yeah, it'll tell you on your phone there's an accident on that bit of road but it crash gives you, detail. gives you no detail you don't know what lanes are open what lanes are closed the gantries obviously can enforce those closures or give you information reduce the speeds likewise when there's heavy rain uh, mm-hmm. or a breakdown or anything like that they can bring the speeds down to 40 mile an hour in some places obviously like in the m74 they can enforce that with the red roundels and things as and, well and an interesting point from this is if we did have you know autonomous vehicles could probably uh-huh. read these gantries yeah. you know because um, yeah. you know well, yeah. my car can pick up road mm-hmm. signs and stuff. So, I think simply yeah. the technology at the moment is not advanced enough that you wouldn't need the signalling system. Yeah. Signage, you possibly could say, oh, well, we don't need that anymore because the sat-navs are so you know, built into everything now that if you're just going to Greenock, the sat-nav will take you to Greenock. You don't need every third sign or every sign yeah. to tell you Greenock's this way, Greenock's this way, Greenock's this way. You know what it is. Yeah. You know, so that maybe there's an argument for the signage not being required, but the signalling probably still has a very important role to play. Okay, final question. Mm-hmm. Do you think there's anywhere at the moment that doesn't have Glasgow gantries that could probably benefit from having them? Oh, that's an interesting question. Um, well, in, in, in anywhere where you have an urban sort of an urban motorway system. Now, I, see when you think about it, the Glasgow gantries actually have a bit of a resemblance to some you see in America, particularly in California, mm-hmm. right? You know, where it's like a box system or it's just a single. Single rule. Single strip, yeah. yeah. Just for the a... record, I really don't like the gantries in America. Okay, fair enough. Fair <laughs> enough. So the, just the signage yeah. in America, they're not that, that nice. No, but... uh, it's just a slight resemblance. And also the Blackwall Tunnel in London had signage that was, was similar. quite similar. Uh, Aston Expressway had some because yeah. that's a tidal flow motorway, so yeah. they have to control what lanes are going where in yeah. the morning or in. I think the Glasgow system works. Again, the Glasgow motorway system is unique as we tell mm. everybody every opportunity we get um so the gantries have to be unique to fit that yet if you've mm. got a unique situation of so many urban motorways you need your own solution yeah. to work within we that. don't really have i mean we are the scottish roads yeah. archive now um, yeah. and i'm just thinking other places in scotland don't really have that same setup as glasgow mm-hmm. but yeah. perhaps you have some areas where there are very close, closely spaced junctions mm-hmm. that might benefit from such a system I like don't in know. leeds or well, I'm thinking more in Scotland, if there's anything... I mean, let's be honest, Edinburgh doesn't have an urban road no. system that would particularly no. benefit... You could put them on the city bypass. But but what you would use... In the, I mean, again, on the city bypass, it's built to rural standards. The junctions are fairly spaced out. You could use variable message signage yeah. rather than lane control. Lane control would be great, don't get me wrong. If you had roadworks and you wanted to show lane one was closed, it reduces the need for all the signage and various mm. other bits and bobs. Yeah, it'd be good. Is it essential? Hmm, maybe not. Yeah. No. Yeah. Uh, oh, well... Well, that was my questions that okay. I've got. Mm-hmm. I don't I, have any other points to make. I don't think. I think it was very. It was. It was great hearing you talk about this. It's very, very, very in detail. And all from memory. <laughs> <laughs> That's not true. You've got a post-it there. <laughs> yeah, a small one. A small one. A small one. Um, I don't think there's any other points to make in this. Obviously, if anybody has any questions, we we haven't covered every detail of this. We could sit here and talk for no, hours. No, uh, you on touched this. on on obviously yeah. the whole sit track, um, Nadix and yeah. uh, tra- Traffic Scotland ev- evolution yeah. is its own discussion. Yeah. Um, you know, and I just think it's great. We've we thought thought up that idea just mm-hmm. there. Yeah, so. definitely. That's a future podcast uh, right there. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. Um, any questions? Get in touch. Yes. Uh, next podcast, believe it or not, will be the Christmas podcast. This is a belter, by the way. Again. Right. Okay. Um, the year <laughs> just seems to have gone. Okay, so we've decided to bring all the contributors in. <laughs> so you and me, Duncan will be back. Nick will be back. It's a year since we last heard from Nick. I have. He's, he's been very, very busy. He's been using all sorts of excuses. Uh, and I believe <laughs> Wojciech is going to join us as well, who's who's not a regular Stuart, on the podcast. Sure. Have we got enough microphones? 
Um, <laughs> mm, that's a good point. Yeah, that's a good uh, we'll point. have to figure something out. But mm-hmm. there you go. Yeah, so that will probably drop the middle week of December. That'll be really good. Will yes. there be um, any sort of festive music of or stings of within it? Of course there will be festive I just music. wanted to warn all the listeners yep. in advance. No, 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 because <laughs> we want them to come and listen. Uh, there will be the usual sort of features. First so, Scottish Roadcast Christmas one, obviously. I, and it's going to, I take it, it's going to be a bit of a surprise what we're going to talk about, yeah. but it's going to be a bit of a mix and match, yeah. but we'll, we'll answer questions and we'll, we'll I don't know, we'll pick yeah, off we are. This is your opportunity things. actually to ask any Scottish Roads related questions Anything. you want to ask. Yeah, so start submitting about the archive, now. about roads, or yeah, and requests as yep. well uh, for things. Yep. So the other thing I wanted to say is the 2023 wall calendar is now on sale. Um, Eight pounds fifty on the website. Changed design has changed slightly this year. We'll listen to a lot of feedback. Hopefully, you'll be happy with what we've done. Um, there are now postage options available, so you can get second class, first class, mm-hmm. extra special class. Whatever you like, you can order Hand that. delivered class. Yes, absolutely. That's been done in the past. And and again, I would just emphasize the point that the proceeds from that calendar, it's a crucial revenue stream for us. It really helps us to operate yes. for the year, keep our operating costs uh, in check and, and all the rest of it. So, you know, if you want to buy one, please buy one. It is, it's 12 brand new images, not previously shared before, as the calendars always have nice new images that we don't share on social media first. So mm-hmm. you, there are a number of surprises in there. Some of them are really good. Mm-hmm. Some of them are really good. Do you know, yeah. I have to confess, Stuart, to two things with the calendar. I've been involved with the calendar project yeah. before and it's a bit of a nightmare getting mm-hmm. it all together. So, mm-hmm. so you know, kudos to you. But I haven't seen all the images yet. You've sent, you said, go in yep. here and have a look at them. Um, but I'll take your word for it that they're yeah. going to be really, really you, good. And I will yep. place my order if I am satisfied mm-hmm. with the preview. My order is in already. There are no freebies here. <laughs> no, we um, we have to pay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, so that that's good. So please pick up one of them if if you can. They'll likely be on sale until early December. They will ship um, from the first week of December. Mm-hmm. So it's pre-orders. Uh, so please go online, get that. You'll find it on the website through the online store or through Facebook, Twitter. Likewise, uh, we should also give a shout out to our sponsors. Yes, our supporters. Yes, so we so- have Eastford Excavations. So mm-hmm. Andy Carruthers and the team there, thanks to Andy and the team again, sponsoring us for another for another year. Yes, thank um, you so, so much. So thank you for that. Really appreciate that. And also to HBS Scotland, um, who have been good sponsors to us as well. All, all much appreciated. Yes. Uh, and we should say thanks to the GVVT, who had us for the Saturday of their open weekend yes. in, in October. We got to meet uh, a couple of people there who, who do listen to the podcast, mm-hmm. and that, yeah. was, that was wonderful. Yeah, it was very interesting. Uh, and nice to meet a couple of people who we had corresponded with for a few years as well, who, who came and said hello. Uh, so that was nice too. Yes, yeah. I enjoyed that. Really uh, busy day. It was mm-hmm. a really busy day, but worth worth it. Yeah. Nice to get out and see people again. Yeah. yeah. Uh, as always, you can hear all our podcasts in Podbean, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Amazon Podcasts, anywhere you find podcasts, we are there. And YouTube. And YouTube as well. And yes. YouTube. I, I mm-hmm. tend to listen to them on YouTube now. Yeah. So, so. Nice and easy. Yeah. And of course, get your daily fix of all Scotch Roads archives uh, activity on social media. So how, is- how on fire has social media been? <laughs> it's been some of the comments that have been coming yeah. in. That Bridgeton post. Yeah. <laughs> Um, that, that Bridgeton post that went out the other day it's approaching 500 likes on Facebook that will yeah. be our most yeah but that's because most people thought it was a new Call of Duty map so people say I had no idea what they meant everybody kept saying there's a new Call of Duty map I have no idea I have never played Stuart, Call of Duty 
Stuart actually does play games, but he doesn't play COD, as no. it was abbreviated yes. to, so you had to find out about what that. What is a COD map, John? Tell well, me. Well, they, well, look at Bridgeton. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> you know I, mean? I, I could sort of see the resemblance there, but fair enough. Yeah. But uh, yeah, so Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Instagram's been doing quite well. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you can see all the photos. We're still doing the then and nows. Mm-hmm. We're still doing all the historic posts. There's some wonderful aerial photography yes. up there as well. So, And as, as we've done in previous years, through December and over the Christmas period, all photos released every day will be brand new. Never yes. seen before. We'll make sure of it. Yes. Call us out if they're not. <laughs> <laughs> No. Yes. I'm, I'm inviting chaos. Indeed. <laughs> well, I think this has been a fantastic discussion and I can't wait for the Christmas one. Likewise, John. Well, we'll see you for that then. I uh, hope everybody enjoyed it and speak to you soon. Speak to you soon. Bye-bye. <laughs>